The following rare sermon is by William Gurnall, the magistrate's portraiture, drawn from the word and preached in a sermon at Stowe Market in Suffolk upon August 20th, 1656, before the election of Parliament. William Gurnall lived from 1617 to 1679. And I will restore thy judges at first, and thy counselors as at the beginning. If we consider the great wickedness of the people to whom this holy prophet was sent, we may wonder that God allowed so rare a jewel to hang so long on such a disobedient care as theirs was, that he lent his prophet so long to a people that made him and his message no more welcome. But again, if we consider how long heaven indulged them, this incomparable mercy, and calculate the long race of his prophetical course, we have reason to wonder as much, though he found them so bad, that yet he left them no better. Stones wear with long dropping, but these were lent not under sixty years preaching, and more of this holy man. For so long the line of his ministry was stretched, they were wicked enough in Uzziah and Jotham's reign, when he first ascended the stage of prophecy. But by Manasseh his time, in which he died, and that by a violent and bloody death, as the story tells us, being sawn asunder, they were wicked to some tune. It was now full water at Jerusalem. Yea, the whole land become sea, covered with idolatry, oppression, and the work of sin which might have been expected anywhere, rather than among a people so divinely taught. But weeds grow nowhere so rank as in fat soil. We may know enough of this wretched people if we read this chapter, which, like a true mirror, will give us the feature of that people, as it looked in the prophet's time. And I wish with all my soul we could not see a cast of our own nation's countenance in their face. First, they were a people sermon-proof. They had heard away their hearing ear. And it is a sad deafness and hardly cured which is God in hearing of sermons. How far they were gone in this we may guess by the prophet's strange apostrophe, verse 2. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. Take the words how you will, they speak them of people past counsel and instruction. If by heaven and earth you will have the continents of both meant, then by speaking to these as intimated, he had as good speak to the inanimate creatures as to them. That preacher surely thinks his people bad indeed, who directs his speech to the seats they sit on and pillars they lean to. Hear, O ye seats, and hearken, O ye pillars. If for the inhabitants, angels and men, who dwell in these, still he reproaches their obstinacy. It shows a father can work little on his child within doors when he comes into the open street and proclaims his rebellion to the entire world. Secondly, as they were sermon-proof, so they were affliction-proof. They were so mad on their lusts that rather than not have them, they would swim through their own blood to them, Heavy judgments were on them, but no medicine wrought kindly on them. God was weary of smiting, but not they of sinning. 
Therefore we find him making his moan as a physician who has run through the whole art of medicine to do his patient good, but finds him grow worse under his hand, and therefore at last speaks of giving him over. Verse 3. Why should you be stricken any more? The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. If affliction would do you good, you have had enough of that. I have beat you till I have not left you one sound part, from head to heel, and yet you will run after your lusts while your blood runs after your heels. Thirdly, in a word, they were impudent in their hypocrisy at the very same time that they acted all their abominations. They kept up a gaudy pageant of religion, they spared for no cost in the multitude of their sacrifices, but appeared great zealots in the temple, which the prophet, verse 11, protests against, as the worst part of all their wickedness. Indeed, spiritual wickedness carries in it the very spirits of wickedness. And all this is not charged upon some petty party, and is in considerable faction in the nation, which had not been so much but the indictment is laid down against the whole nation, verse 3. Israel doth not know, verse 4. Ah, sinful nation, the whole head and the heart were as sick of sin as they were of suffering. It is sad when the entire house are down together, or those that are well, not enough to look to the sick. There were indeed some gracious ones in that degenerate age, but so few that their religion, like a pint of wine in a ton of water, could hardly be tasted amidst such a multitude of ungodly ones. Now, as it is in the disease of the body, when a general distemper has invaded the whole, as in a fever or the like, there is commonly some one principal part whose disorder affects all the rest which a wise physician bestows his chief of skill to find out, as most conducing to the cure. So here, the sad distemper which the Jewish nation lay under, both in regard of sin and misery, is observed by the prophet in a great measure, to have proceeded from one principal rank and order of men among them, and that was their rulers and magistrates. Verse 22 and 23. Thy silver is become dross. Thy wine mixed with water. Thy princes are rebellious. Therefore the Lord levels a threatening at their breast, and in a special manner, verse 24. Therefore saith the Lord, all I will ease me of mine adversaries. That is, they had the greatest hand in the sin, so they should have the deepest draught in the judgment. No sins lie heavier on God's stomach and make him more heart-sick than theirs who stand in high and public place of rule and government. But lest the godly should be discouraged at the calamities denounced against them, for they could not but know, it would be a sad day with the whole land when God should make such an overturning of the great ones in it. The storm of God's vengeance seldom falls so upon princes and rulers, but that the people are taken in the shower and share with them in their sufferings. To fortify, therefore, the hearts of these few godly ones, he opens his design of mercy, which he had towards them, even in the captivity coming upon them. Verse 25, I will turn my hand upon thee and purely purge away thy dross and take away all thy tin where he compares their captivity to a furnace, themselves to silver, the ungodly among them especially, 
magistrates that were such, to dross and tin, and himself to the refiner, and that his design is not to consume, but purge them from this dross, and did allay and debase them. And when he had done this, so as that wicked generation were once worn out, then he would provide better for them, faithful magistrates in the room of the ungodly ones, removed, verse 26, which are the words of the text. And I will restore thy judges as at the first, and so on. So that those words are as a lump of sugar after a bitter draught given to this poor people to take away that unpleasing farewell which the threatening of a captivity might leave on their thoughts. Where, by the way, observe God's love and tender care over the godly and evil times when his wrath is in its greatest career against the wicked. Even then his thoughts of mercy are full at work in his heart for his people. He is carving a mercy for them out of the same providence in which he deals out vengeance to the ungodly. God can blow hot and cold, wrath and mercy to his enemies at the same breath. Yea, he contents not himself with his purpose of love to his people, but also he must acquaint them with it, that though they could not be put in present possession of the promise, yet they might be kept in possession of themselves and by patience be enabled more comfortably to expect a performance of it. No such sweet companion to go with the saints to a prison as a promise. The bed of affliction of itself is hard. Now to prevent their tossing and tumbling in it, through anguish of their present sorrow, he lays a soft pillow of the promise under their head, I will restore. And the words are a promise wherein observe first, the person promising, I will restore, and so on. Secondly, the mercy promised, judge, is at the first, the counselors, is at the beginning. Thirdly, the time and manner when and how performed, wrapped up in the word. And, which stands in the front of the text, pointing to the preceding words. They indeed tell us when and how God will do this for them. I will turn my hand upon thee, and purely purge away thy dross, and take away thy tin. Then follows a promise in the text which comes in as a consequent of that great national calamity to come upon them in the Babylonish captivity, so that though the birth would be joyous, yet before this promise could be delivered, many a sad pain and bitter throe should proceed. The people of God have usually their hardest labors of their greatest mercies. So have churches and nations their greatest reformations raised out of their greatest confusions. Indeed, as a vessel of silver to which God compares Judah, that is tempered of much drossy matter, and much battered and cracked, can never be refined and made fashionable, without melting a new casting. So God lets them know they were grown so corrupt, and not, that they needed a hot and lasting fire to burn up their dross, that their nation might be cast into a new mold, so new, that the very form of government was to be changed." first of the person promising i will restore and which observe how in promising to give judges and counselors he owns this order of magistracy as lawful yea claims it as his own ordinance whence note doctrine magistracy is an order and office which god himself sets up 
yea, which he will have up in his church, when in its best purity, as here he speaks of a time of more reformation than ordinary. At that time he will restore. Here is divinity stamped upon the face of it. It is called indeed an ordinance of man, 1 Peter 2.13. Not as if it were man's invention, for all powers are of God, but because it is discharged by men and intended for man's good. And truly it is so distasteful to the ungodly world because it lays their lusts in chains and so torments them before their time that if God had not been in this bush so oft on fire, it had been consumed before this. There has been old tugging to pluck this plant up, but being of God's planting, it stands too sure for man's hand to root up. We may use the same argument to prove the divinity of the magistrate, which sometimes we do the divinity of Scripture, namely, the strange preservation of it in all the revolutions and changes that have come over the head of times by wars and the confusions that accompany them. Some have indeed thrown off their governors, but never could a government. As soon almost as one is off, another is in the saddle. Yea, so connatural it is to the principles and notions of man's mind that a government is found, where no scripture is found to teach it. Application first. Then let us bless God for our government, as though it should be none of the best. It is a very bad government indeed that is worse than none at all. Where there is a magistracy, some may be oppressed and wronged under it, but none can be righted where there is none. If might be right, then right will be wrong, and better poor people should sit under a scratching bramble than have no hedge at all to shelter it from the wind and weather. Storms, I mean, of popular fury. The Persians had a custom that when their prince died, some days, five as I remember, of misrule, were indulged the people and wished they might do what they would without control, that by the rapines and outrages, which might well be thought would be committed therein, they might be brought in love the more with the person and government of their succeeding prince. It is a sad way, I confess, but a sure one to know the happiness of a government by experimenting the confusion of an anarchy. Application 2. Secondly, what shall we think of those who would take the sword from the magistrate's side, though girded to it by God's own hand? They call magistracy itself to the bar to show its commission. This is no new sect. We find it one article in the indictment of those seducers in Jude 8. They despise dominion and speak evil of dignity. Mark, not the persons did so much displease them as the office itself, and it had been well for the churches of Christ if this heir had died with the first brochures of it. Some Anabaptists of later times have declared themselves heirs to this spirit of confusion and disorder. Among other positions of the sect in Transylvania, published 1560 and 8, I find this one openly vouchsafed by them that it is a mark of Antichrist to have in their church kings, princes, and the sword of the magistrate, which Christ, say they, can no way allow in his church. 
and I wished the sea, which runs between the land and ours, had been able to keep this air from setting foot on English ground. But is magistracy such an uncircumcised thing that it must shut out of the pale of the church? Is it an office fitted in form for heathens and not Christians? Truly, then, I should choose to live rather among heathens than Christians. But how and those read the scripture and not blush? Were the saints at Rome heathens or Christians? And does the apostle bring any such news to them? Does he see them out of the magistrate's precincts? No. He is a minister of God to them for good, and he tells them they must needs be subject, though then the magistrate was no friend to the church. And that not only for wrath, to save his skin from man's wrath, but for conscience sake, to save their souls from God. Romans 13, 4 and 5. They cannot further their brat upon the scripture. No, it is a misshapen brat conceived in the womb of ignorance and begot by pride. And it will appear so by the two principles, which are the very seed of which this error is formed. And they are first a liberty which they fancy Christ has given them, to which subjection under magistracy, forsooth, is inconsistent. What will not a strong imagination find in the scripture? Even that which was never written, if it has but a strong desire, it should back it. A liberty that never came into his mind to give a strange liberty, that leads to licentiousness and ends in bondage. True liberty is to choose good and reject evil. And this magistracy is erected to defend thee in doing. Romans 13. Rulers are not a terror to good works. Secondly, a perfection that they dream of, which lifts them up so high that now they need not the ministry of the magistracy to keep them within bounds. The magistrate is an avenger, they say, to execute wrath to them that do evil. But saints who are led by the Spirit dare not do thus well. Suppose them so holy as they would seem, yet do they not live among those that are wicked? I am sure they think and speak bad enough of all besides their own tribe. And do they not need the magistrate's help that they may be defended in the exercise of holiness? The saints do not find the world so kind as that they should need to dismiss their guard before they get saved to heaven. But what horrible pride is this to pretend to such a conduct of the spirit as to be privileged from sin? The apostles that were of as high a form in the spirit school, I trow, as the best in the Anabaptist bunch, are willing to be branded themselves for loud liars if they should pretend to such a perfection. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 1 John 1, eight. But the churches of Christ have had too much experience of many of the Anabaptists to give them their hands to be such great saints. No, no, it is not their perfection that lifts them up above the magistracy, but their lusts that make them not able to bear the magistrate's power. Those scholars are the first that would burn their master's rod who have most need of it. I am sure this sort of men have shown they need magistracy as much as others, and some of them, those I mean at Munster in Germany, convinced the world for all their loud cries against magistracy at first, that they liked the magistrate seat well enough when they could once come to set themselves in it. If God intend mercy for England, and this magistral spirit shall not prevail, if we be too good to live under magistrates, 
God's vice regents. We are too bad to live under God's own care and government. The Hebrews have a proverb. We had best make haste from that place where the king is not feared, as if some heavy judgment impended that place where magistrates are despised. And it were a sin that could not long stay for its guardian and reward. I am sure those fanatic spirits in Germany found the warrant of vengeance sent from God against him endorsed with speed. Application 3. Thirdly, is magistracy an order of God's erecting? A word then to you, worthy gentlemen, in whose lap a lot of this day's choice shall fall. Decline not the place for fear or ease. If God gives you a commission, you need not fear to act. You are but an under-officer, and of all cowards he is the worst that dares not follow when God leads them on. Go in this thy might, saith God to Gideon, have not I sent thee? Judges 6.14 God's word was his warrant, and God's warrant was his protection. Frederick, Duke of Saxony, when he had read Luther's book, put out in vindication of the divine authority of magistracy against the Anabaptists, lift up his hands to heaven and bless God that he lived to see the place of magistracy wherein he stood, so clearly proved from scripture evidence, to be a place in which he might with a good conscience act, so as to please God in it. The magistrate's office we see is honorable because it is of God, Yet sometimes it goes a-begging, but it is a certain sign of a calamitous time when good and worthy patriots are loath to appear on the stage of government. Kings, palaces, and senate houses do not use to stand long empty or are hard to be let, except some evil spirit from the troubles of the times haunt them. And then indeed it is no wonder to hear it said, as in that deplored time of Judah's declining state, Isaiah 3, 7. I will not be a healer. Make me not a ruler of the people. If the physician will not take the patient in hand, it is to be feared he thinks the disease too far gone, and he shall have little credit in the business if he happens to miscarry under his hand. Indeed, state physicians, though never so faithful, can hardly escape blame if they do not the cure. The multitudes judge the pilot good or bad as a voyage he makes is gainful or losing to the owners. But I hope you haven't learned not to judge yourselves by others' thoughts. No man is miserable by what others think of him. If you be not willing to give up your own name to be sacrificed by the multitude, there is little hope of being a savior to your country. Christ could not have saved man if he had stood upon saving his name among men. He was willing to do them good, though he was thought and spoken all to naught by them for his pains. Do your duty and leave the issue to God. I confess it is a blustering time, but sometimes mariners find fair weather at sea when they launch out in a storm. That God has a wind in his fist that sends you to sea. And if a storm meets you in your work, Christ can soon be with you in it and save you from it. God is not more seen in sea tempests than he is in landstorms, confusions, I mean of states and nations. He that stills the noise of the seas does the tumult of the people, Psalm 65, 7. They are there and may well be put together. Well, whatever comes of it, 
It will be more honorable and safe for you, when called, to be found in Parliament, endeavoring to heal the bleeding wounds of the nation, though to your private hazard, than saving your own skins whole at home. Is it not sad that a poor woman in travail should die for want of help, because it is midnight when she calls and her neighbors loathe to break their rest or come out in the cold to save her life? England is now in travail and calls you to her labor. Take heed that the ghost of your ruined nation does not haunt you to your graves for denying your help. I confess it is like to speed the worse with the poor land, because of some unhappy disappointments in former assemblies. It is with England, as with a woman that has often called her woman, but her pains have gone over and nothing to be done, which makes her want help when she has most need of it. But who knows that now the full time has not come for a birth. God only keeps reckoning for state's deliverance. Better go twenty times when called. Then thy place once found empty when the work indeed comes to be done. Secondly, is God by this promise of giving judges as at the first and counselors as at the beginning owns this order and state of magistracy, so he lays claim to the disposer of persons that bear this office. I will restore and so on. It implies that he had a hand in taking away those holy governors which ruled them in the first and better times for their sins and ordering worse in their rooms as a plague for those sins, and that now he will fill the magistrate seat again with faithful judges and counselors like the first. Doctrine That not only the office of magistracy is of God's erecting, but the persons also in the place of magistracy, whether good or bad, are of God's appointing. When a magistrate's place is to be filled, though it be but in a private corporation, what plotting and siding is there, everyone to lift up a head for his own faction? And I wish there were not too much of this crowded into the great assembly of this day, in which most, it is to be feared, come rather to serve a party, yea, some particular person with their suffrages, and God in their country. Well, plot what you can, heaven will carry it from you all, you with all the bustle and putter that is made are but the fly upon the will. It is the will of providence, not you, that determines the issue of this day's meeting. Matches are made in heaven between magistrates and people. When they voted for Christ to die and Barabbas to live, they did but make up the work that God had cut out to their hand. Choose well or ill, you cannot deny God his casting voice. When the ten tribes made a rent from the house of David, it is said indeed in Hosea, They have set up kings and not by me. They have made princes and I knew it not. That is, they asked not God's leave. They were not by him. That is, not by his approbation. Princes that he knew not, that is, not by their acquainting him, they took not God into their counsel. And if God could have known it, no known it no way else he should have been wholly ignorant of the manner yet god tells him he gave them these very kings and princes hosea 13:11 god's secret providence had the ordering of the manner while they please their own lusts they fulfilled god's counsel wrath who by their own wicked choice intended to plague them for their former sin application are magistrates good or bad sent of god See the way how to obtain a good choice this day, that is, by plying hard the throne of grace. If we have faithful magistrates, they must be of God's sending. 
I will restore in no key light prayer to open God's heart. God rules the world by the lusts of his enemies and by the prayers of his saints. He by disappointing the one and stirring up is also graciously answering the other, accomplishes his own ends in the affairs of the word. The Egyptians' policies and Israel's prayers helped on the ruin of the one and deliverance of the other. When Israel groaned under the bondage of Pharaoh, the Lord hears their cry and saves them by the hand of Moses. It was worth their groaning to get such a change, a Moses that carried them tenderly on his shoulder. For a Pharaoh, the cruelly rid on their backs. Prayer moves the great will of the clock that sets all the rest to going. Persuade God and he will persuade man. Jacob was afraid of Esau and makes God his friend, and God made Esau his friend. He that could give Saul another spirit and so altered the property of the man, that before he was aware he shall prophesy with the prophets. He can alter those purposes which men had in their hearts when they came forth this day, and make them vote for those they little thought on. He can make profane ones cast their suffrages into the lap of those that are godly. And truly, if it were not so, I should wonder how a faithful, godly parliament man could be chosen in England, where the heap carries it. It has been a custom in former times among us for letters to come thick from court when parliaments were to be chosen to towns and corporations, which had almost the effect of a mandamus. To be sure, God can send it into the bosoms of men his secret messages, which shall awe their consciences. Genesis 31.29 It is in the power of my hand, said Laban to Jacob, to do you hurt. But the God of your father spake to me yesternight, saying, Take heed, poor man in his power. When God had tied his hands behind him, yea, sealed up his mouth, that he could not speak a word but what God formed for him. Has not God thus met some of you on your way, overpowering your hearts against your former thoughts? If he has not met with you as you come, to bind up your hand from writing for an unworthy person, you may expect to meet him as you go home, sometime or other, upon a sadder errand. Better Cain had met God before he gave the bloody blow to have stayed his hand from striking it, than afterward to meet him with that dismal question of what hast thou done? Oh, it will pierce thy heart like a dagger when God shall ask another day, What hast thou done and given thy voice for such as will help to ruin, not to heal the land? Thou art a murderer of thy country and its blood. I will require it at thy hands. So much of the first branch, the person promising, the second follows, the mercy promise. Judges is at the first and counselors at the beginning. Three questions may here be propounded. Why judges and counselors are here promised and not kings and princes? Why the promise double both judges and counselors? And lastly, why judges is it the first? First, why judges and counselors and not kings and princes? Because this promise had a particular respect to a time when their government was not to be monarchical. Namely, after their return from captivity, when this promise took place in Nehemiah, Ezra, Zerubbabel and other faithful judges that after them ruled the Jewish state. Where I pray observed, note, that it matters not so much what kind of government a people live under as what kind of governors. Let the government be what it will, if the persons be not in whose hand it is, all will be not. The Jews saw happy days under kingly government when the kings were gracious and wise. 
and happy under judges and counselors such as Moses, Joshua, Zerubbabel, though with less worldly splendor. And they saw his miserable days under both kings and judges, being under the former delivered up into the hand of the Assyrian and Babylonian, and by the factions of the latter betrayed at last into the hand of the Roman power. The sword of government cuts as the hand is that holds it. Question. Secondly, why runs the promise double, both judges and counselors? Answer. Because these by a cynic doke comprehend whole magistracy. Two things concur to complete a government, wisdom, to make wholesome laws, and advice for the good of the people, and faithfulness with courage to execute these laws. For the first, here are counselors to advise and form laws. For the second, here are judges to inform and put life into these laws by execution. Counselors without judges are as a head without a hand. Judges without counselors, a hand without a head. Question thirdly, but why judges is it the first? Answer, to imply their present degeneracy from the primitive constitution when first formed into a commonwealth by Moses or after in a kingdom by David, where, by the way, we see. Note, the best constituted governments are prone in time to degenerate. The nearer the spring, the clearer the water. The further the stream runs from its first source, the more muddy it is and troubled. And indeed, as of states, so tis of churches, purest at first planting, like apples, fair and sound when first plucked from the tree, but in time speck and rot. The world we live in is a muggish and rafty air. The best things soon decay in it. Hence it is that God brings such revolutions upon nations and churches. One change is productive of another. First they change in purity and grow corrupt. Then God changes their peace and prosperity, yea, sometimes of their very form and visible constitution. But we shall waive the points those considerations would afford us and take up one conclusion which arises from the subject matter of the promise in general, and it is this, doctrine, the faithful magistrates are a choice blessing to a nation. I will restore judges as at the first. It is worth the having what God thinks is worth the promising. Yea, when he gives the people faithful governors, he makes account. He gives them a mercy not of the least magnitude. First, observe on what design God makes his promise, which speaks at a choice mercy, and that is to quiet and compose their thoughts and the expectation of their captivity hastening upon them, and to make them the more willingly to leave their own land upon this account, that when they return they should gain this by all their sufferings, to have judges as it to first, as if there were a recompense adequate to all their losses and troubles. It must needs be some great thing that a man offers to make a man willing to have his arm cut off, or endure some great torment. God gives this promise to make them patiently bear the calamities which their long captivity will bring with it, and therefore it is a great mercy. Again observe how this is promised, not as a single mercy, but as a mercy that has many in the womb of it, a mercy representative of all the good he had in his thoughts to bestow upon them, he makes choice of this as the fittest interpreter of his large heart, as that which might best assure them of his love towards them. I will restore judges as it to first. It is as much as if he had said, I will restore all manner of blessings into your bosom. Indeed, as magistrates are, so we may expect things will go 
in a nation. There is no one place where we may stand at greater advantage to see what God intends for a people, good or evil, than by observing what rulers and governors his providence orders out to them. The very heathen signified thus much by their custom, who in erecting the statues of their magistrates by fountains, did imply that from them issued out the good or evil of a people. Two ways it goes ill or well with the nation. First, when religion and righteousness stand or fall. Without those, nations are but forests of wild beasts, where the stronger devour the weaker. As a magistrate is, so are these lift up or cast down. No sooner here in the text is religion and righteousness set down in the chair of government, but we find the influence of it among the people. I will restore thy judges as at the first, and so on. Then it follows, Afterward thou shalt be called a city of righteousness, a faithful city. So soon does the city learn to write after the copy which the court sets her. The Septuagint upon that place in Psalm 24, 7, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors. The gates lead the way to the city, and the magistrate has the command of the gate as he opens or shuts a gate. So is religion entertained or shut out of a nation in the public profession of it. Therefore the open idolatry of a nation is laid by God himself at the magistrate's door. Micah 1.5 For the transgression of Jacob is all this, and for the sins of the house of Israel. Now mark the next words. What is the transgression of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? And what are the high places of Judah? Are they not Jerusalem? That is, what is the spring of all this idolatry and other abominations of these two kingdoms? Is it not the two chief cities and princes' courts kept there? Read scripture, and you shall find religion flourished and faded among the Jews as their magistrates were good or bad. When Moses by death let fall his leading staff, and there was a godly Joshua to take it up, it went well with religion. When Joshua went off the stage and there were but any of those faithful elders left who shared with him in the government to hold the helm, religion was safe, but when they were gathered to their fathers and none to come into their places and fill up the breach, then all went to rack in church and state, as we find. Judges 2.11 Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam.